0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash
1: party today.
0: All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Sometimes I think all of us who want to change the world have very similar lives borderline frantic. I've just had a week with 15 amazing people in my home and in my city being trained to be certified vegan lifestyle coaches and educators. And now I'm talking to you and some of the people who were there are still here. There's an extra dog, there's a rescue bird, and you know what? Life is good because you and I and all of us are changing this world for the very much better. Hi, I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan Show. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you're new, please check out our website, MainStreetVegan.net, and see everything that's going on over there. There's also a Main Street Visit Vegan podcast listeners Facebook group and we'd be happy to have you join join, and you get the inside scoop on what goes on on this program every single Wednesday afternoon live and then on your favorite podcast platform after that. So here we are in the dog days of summer and wouldn't it be lovely to just duck out of your office and have a wonderful coach waiting for you that would take you to a farmed animal sanctuary. Pretty idyllic, huh? Well, we're going to be talking with someone who actually provides that service for people, Rachel Borkowski of AnimalConnection.info, right after the break. But first, we are going to be speaking with a wonderful filmmaker. People always complain. I get them to buy too many books. Well, I'm going to do something different today. You can see an amazing film, and it is that. For the Birds... For the Birds is a documentary now available on digital platforms across the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and Australia. This is an engrossing film in which the filmmaker Richard Myron, my guest today, explores the life, the psyche, and the motivations of a fascinating woman who loves chickens and other birds, but loves them a little bit too much. We'll talk more about For the Birds in a moment with Richard Myron. He is a graduate of Yale University. He's been a film editor. He worked on the Oscar nominated documentary, Life Animated, and the Oscar shortlisted Art and Craft. Welcome, Richard Myron.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Victoria.
0: it's not only wonderful to be talking with you, it's just wonderful to be remembering the film that I mm-hmm. saw probably five or six weeks ago, and it was absolutely engrossing, visually beautiful, and you really got into the psyche of your subject. So take us back to where the seeds of this started.
2: Yeah, so it it all began when I was a senior in college. Um, I was Interest. I had just become a vegan a couple years before that, and I was really interested in animal rights and animal rescue and sanctuaries. And I thought for my senior project, I wanted to make. I was an art major and I was studying documentary. So for my senior project, I thought I wanted to make a documentary about an animal rescue story, but follow it from multiple perspectives to just kind of see see what happens Um, if I kind of went into a perspective that was different. Um, so I volunteered at the Woodstock Farm Sanctuary in upstate New York just for a few days during my winter break. And while I was there, I was meeting all the animals and hearing their stories. But suddenly there was a call about a woman about an hour away named Kathy, who had about 200 ducks, chickens, geese, and turkeys. Um, And it was described to the sanctuary as a hoarding situation by the local SPCA, but the SPCA didn't know what to do about it, and so they asked the sanctuary to go check it out. And I just happened to be there with my camera, and I hopped in the car. And uh, as soon as Sheila, the sanctuary manager, and I met Kathy, we were really moved by her because she was a pure animal lover. She she loved these birds. She was warm and welcoming to us. She was uh, proud of her animals, was telling us all their names, um, and was also very open to giving up a lot of them because she realized that she did have a lot. So um, her husband was there too, and he felt like the, there were too many birds, and the sanctuary was not sure that that they were all doing as well as, as uh, Kathy thought. So um, it began this uh, kind of delicate operation of how can we get you know, for the sanctuary, how can they get um, these birds away from Kathy and in, you know, in a good home uh, while also kind of managing this relationship with Kathy. So that's when I started filming and I just couldn't put down the camera. I just, I kept coming back to film every time, every time the sanctuary went over there. And uh, the story just kept kind of escalating and changing and I kept getting to know everybody more and more as it went so that's how it started
0: wow so even before that were you a vegan before this were you an animal activist
2: um yeah I'd become a vegan a couple years before starting this film um Uh, yeah
0: so when I saw the film at first I was on Kathy's side it's like Mm -hmm. this woman loves these animals you know they look fine to me (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know? And I think because I was a homeschooling mom all the way through with my daughter, I have a little bit of that kind of rebel nature of, you know, mm-hmm. I'm living mm-hmm. my life and leave me alone and let me do it. But right. then you did such an amazing job of letting us in more closely and mm-hmm. that, no, this is not as it appears on first glance. These animals are are not in good shape. So it took you Five years to do the filming how did things change how did things change with Kathy and her husband and the relationships
2: yeah um well a lot changed uh but really I mean the story kept changing itself because there was this kind of tug of war happening over these birds and you know there were certain birds Kathy didn't want to give up and and there were certain ones she was willing and and um and then things and then hit kind of a breaking point where the sanctuary were were prioritizing a couple birds and, uh, there was miscommunication that happened that, uh, kind of changed everything. So, uh, then it started escalating into a legal battle and, um, the SPCA got more involved and the, the local courts got involved. And meanwhile, I was trying to kind of keep track of her husband, Gary's perspective. And, and he was, you know, you know, contemplating their whole marriage, like while this was happening and, and what, you know, life used to be like. So I started to, to realize how deep this story went that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as simple as a woman with too many birds. It was, you know, there was a whole a 25 year marriage and, you know, all this stuff that I was trying to unpack to understand how things got this way and what this relationship was really like. So um, I got totally pulled into it and uh, eventually got a bunch of home movies from Kathy that, you know, showed what their life used to be like and was realizing the human side of this story as well as the animal rights side of it. So it became kind of like an animal rescue story on the surface, but then underneath it, it was this family story.
0: Mm. So how, I'm sure in in doing the film, you did a lot of study about animal hoarding. So how does that happen? I mean, does it start with three, four, five, ten, and then it just becomes overwhelming? Or is this a pathology that causes people to seek out hundreds of animals? How does it work?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, uh, my producers and I did some some studying on this uh but you know it was there there's not actually that much known there haven't there haven't been sort of longitudinal studies about this before uh where people were allowed access to to it so you know for us we were just trying to treat kathy as kathy and not not try to box her into uh what what else had been written about hoarding situations. And so we were just trying to understand Kathy. Um, but, but as far as like how things got out of hand, we, we did see 10 years before I started filming uh, a little duckling wandered onto Kathy and Gary's lawn one day without, without any family. And they took in this duckling and wanted to protect her and, and help her and nurture her. and, And Kathy had the idea of getting some more ducklings to keep this duckling company. And so it kind of became a the more the merrier situation. And then it became Kathy's hobby to have a collection of birds. And so she started, you know, there were farm catalogs and eventually ways to order uh, fertile eggs and ducklings and and chicks online uh, of different varieties and, and breeds. And this this became something that, you know, Kathy was a self-identified bird lady and there was an online community for it. And all of it was, you know, you know, she just she loved these birds and loved being around them. And I I also think, you know, there's something about hatching a baby animal uh, that is exciting and potentially addictive. So I think I think that's kind of part, you know, part of my guess, but, you know, a large, a large reason behind making the film is that it's, it's not simple. There's no one thing you can point to of, of how this happens. It's a whole, it's a whole life experience that can lead, lead to it. So, yeah. And
0: and that's why the film is so gripping. And sometimes as I've thought of it after watching it, I forget that it's a documentary. Mm -hmm. And even the woman's lawyer is such a character. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could have come Mm -hmm central casting he's just yeah. <laughs> stunning and when you talk about how she got these animals um i think most people would look at a film like this and think well she's just sort of a, a sanctuary went wrong but she wasn't rescuing animals she was breeding and buying animals i guess that's a clue mm. if somebody you know lives near someone who seems like they have an awful lot of animals in their quote sanctuary Maybe to see how they're getting them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she did. She did rescue a few here and there. And at a certain point, she stopped breeding. But then they would, you know, right breed themselves. So it, you know, it's toward toward the later years. I don't think she was actively doing it as much. But yes, I. It's it is a different situation. An animal sanctuary that's rescuing birds exclusively is different from someone who's hatching them and uh that's it's sort of the paradox of as soon as a bird hatches you have this obligation to take care of that bird um but should that bird have hatched in the first place you know that's that's a question
0: (laughs) these these are the kinds of conversations that people like you and our next guest rachel and i have
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes
0: I'm not sure it's <laughs> what you're hearing in uh, diners across America but uh, what animal rights messages were you really hoping to get across in the film
2: Um that's a really good question. I I mean wh- what I found is that animal rights is not I mean and we all know this. It's not that simple. You know, there you can there are a lot of ways that we can love animals and also hurt them. And I I think exploring that, uh, that paradox and that contradiction, you know, we all, we all are hypocritical in ways. We all have contradictions with, with what we do. And so this was sort of, you know, a a more extreme case of that. But um, I'd say that, that part of the, or a big message I wanted to get across is that uh, the film treats Everybody, every human and animal with this kind of, or at least I hope, it treats everyone with a, a sense of empathy and um, respecting their autonomy and, and their uh, emotions and, and their ability to make decisions. And so I think there are a lot of ways that Kathy herself was, was pushed away and, and cast away from society and her community. Um, and labeled as a hoarder by a lot of people. And so I wanted to try to kind of allow us into her perspective, as well as the sanctuary and her husband and the birds themselves. And so it was kind of this equal equal emotional value perspective that I was hoping to get across in the film, that we're all in this together in a way. Um, so...
0: As, as we are. And you've screened the film at, at lots of festivals. You had screenings, um, theatrical screenings in, in New York and, and L.A. I'm so happy to get to be at one of those. Mm-hmm. So what have the reactions been from your audiences?
2: They've been amazing. <laughs> um, they've been very emotional. Uh, a lot of people. The film gives you a lot of room to make your own choices about how you feel and, um, make your own analyses and conclusions about these people and, and tries to kind of keep surprising you as it goes. So, uh, we've, we've just had a lot of very fruitful, intelligent conversations around the film. Uh, we designed the film, uh, for mainstream audiences and and to kind of, treat it as a, a work of art and, a, and a, an indie film that could make it in, on the film festival circuit. And it's done very, very well among mainstream critics and film festivals. And those are most of the people who've seen it and reacted so positively to it. And it's also done really well with, with animal rights people and animal lovers. So I think there's something for everybody to relate to in this story and we've certainly been feeling that at all the screenings.
0: Oh, that's so wonderful. <laughs> so yeah. all your five years of work, you're getting some <laughs> uh, some payback for that. So everybody, this film, for only about a week now, we're talking brand new, is available on all the major streaming platforms. So you can check it out on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, DirecTV, Vudu. You just look for it. You will find it. And it is called yeah for the birds. So Kathy, your subject, has she seen the film?
2: Yeah, she's seen the film as well as her daughter and uh, most of the people who are in the film have seen the film and reacted very positively to it. Kathy, Kathy felt like it was a really truthful representation of what happened across those five years Um, She was really, like, rooting for herself along the way while she was watching, and and her daughter was feeling a lot of emotion at seeing her parents um, in ways that she hadn't seen them before. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's it's a difficult time in Kathy's life that was captured and a lot of transformation that happened. Um, I should also say that the film does have a hopeful optimistic ending to it um that kind of leaves kathy uh and and the birds in a much better place than they started so uh, i i hope that wasn't a spoiler but um Uh, but it is there's like a you know there's a bit there's there's some light at the end of the tunnel i'll say yeah
0: does she have any birds at all now
2: um she does she does have some but they're in a much more controlled situation and they're not living in her house anymore um, uh, and they seem to be doing well but I I haven't checked in for a little bit.
0: I didn't know if animal hoarding was like alcoholism you just can't have another drink or if you could have four or five and not spur this intense desire to have many many.
2: Yeah I mean what, what I'll say is that there was a balance between the people in Kathy's life and the animals in her life. And I think that as the film progresses, she starts allowing people back into her life and her family back into her life in a way that can kind of fill certain voids that the animals used to fill. Uh, And so Kathy's life is a lot more balanced than Uh it used to be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That must make you feel wonderful as a filmmaker, first, that it it really was this dramatic period that it turned out to be. You didn't know all these things would happen Mm -hmm. when you started filming. And then also that even though I understand with the documentary, you're not supposed to do anything or change Mm -hmm. anything for the subject. And yet, the fact that you were there really did help transform this woman's life as well as save all of these birds. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had to be really patient and draw boundaries for myself to not get involved in the story too much because, because I didn't. I I just wanted to see how it played out and observe how it played out. But I'm sure my presence had had some effect. Yeah. Uh, but it's always it's always hard to measure those things.
0: Yes, well, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. I agree with all the critics who have read. Raised- <laughs> About it. So are you thinking of a next one?
2: I do want to make another animal rights movie in the future, but I'm, for now, I'm, I'm thinking about doing, I, I'm starting to write a comedy series for TV <laughs> and, um, and also uh, potentially work on a, another documentary that's a sports related doc, but, uh, but I definitely have plans in the future for, for something even bigger for animal nice. rights. So,
0: do you plan yeah. to stay based here in New York, or are you going to leave us for this? Yes.
2: <laughs> I'm i not sure yet, but I, I'm at least here another year or so. Okay. We'll
0: see. <laughs> so for anybody listening, Richard, who has an idea, oh, gosh, I could do that. Could they? <laughs> what do they need to know? What do they need to make a documentary?
2: Um, yeah, there's some books you can get on it. Uh, but yeah, you can you can pick up a camera and start and start following somebody. I mean, I, I think it's good to look for tension, good to look for things that are compelling and intriguing. That I, I would say, like, my biggest piece of advice that guided this whole process was ask questions you don't know the answer to. Lean toward things that confuse you. Um, it's, I think, films that you make when you already have an idea of what you want to say uh are sometimes end up being less compelling than films you go into not knowing. Um, and so kind of the, having that open mind, yeah. I, I think, can, can lead you to some interesting places.
0: So looking over the array of films that are out there in the animal rights and, and vegan world, subtracting the one that you are going to make one day, <laughs> what, what other films do you see haven't been made that somebody ought to mm-hmm. make?
2: Interesting. <laughs> um, wow. What films haven't been made? I mean, it's, you know, I, I think that there's something about farmed animals that there are a lot of films, there are, there are certain animals that people, that mainstream audiences can relate to more easily than others. And I think there are a lot of films about poaching and about elephants and whales and the, you know, these kind of big majestic creatures. Um, but I would, I would look for, I would encourage filmmakers to make movies about chickens and cows and pigs more. I mean, there are, there definitely are some obviously, but, um, but I think, you know, really hitting, hitting the audience in a, in a spot that is much very related to their plate, I think is, is important. Um, but uh, but also in a way that is inviting for for non-vegans uh, that you know may be turned off by something that they know will try to convince them not to eat meat. So like how you know how can you package something in a way that pulls people in, uh, but then gives them a really strong message. So I, yeah. it's it's hard. It's really difficult. So, yes. Yeah. I I well, don't know. Yeah.
0: We've been working on a feature film for a long time about a cow who escapes from a slaughterhouse, and it's a family film. It's got mm. kids. It's got a little romance. Nice. And so yeah. maybe maybe it is now the time we can get them through uh, through story. Yeah. So, when you look out into the world and see how things are for animals right now today, what needs to be done the most, and what can people listening do?
2: Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. Animal rights needs to be brought to the forefront more. I mean, the the there's so many political social issues out there right now, and it's. They're all important, but I I have the sense that animal rights has been has been uh, pushed to the backdrop a little bit because of a lot of other things going on. So I I don't know. I mean, there's there are great things happening with with Beyond Burgers and Impossible Burgers and all these mainstream uh, meat replacements. So I don't know. I just I guess just keep keep encouraging friends to examine what they're eating and. Um, hopefully bit by bit, we make a difference.
0: It's it's so true. Um, last night, some of my students and I went to see a screening of a documentary called Artificial, with fish, F-I-S-H, in the mm, middle. Yeah. Uh, not from a vegan point of view. It's more a conservation kind of point of view. Yeah. But- Woman who was running the screening for uh, her synagogue environmental group did say after several of us had said, "Well, you know, one thing you could do is just not eat fish," and she, was <laughs> saying, "Well, have you all tried the Beyond Burger?" And I,
2: said,
0: you know, maybe a burger will bring us all together <laughs> right. after all. The film is for the birds, the wonderful filmmaker, Richard Myron. We're going to see so much of you in the future. It just gives me chills. And you can get the film on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and just about everywhere else. So do watch it. You'll love it. And this is one you can share with your omnivorous friends and even relatives And they will like it right along with you. Thank you so much, Richard Myron. Everybody else, stay with us. We are going to visit a sanctuary.
2: Thank you. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome
0: back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Everybody, welcome back to the Main Street Vegan program. I invite you to take a look at mainstreetvegan.net and subscribe to our newsletter because then when something newsy happens, you will know about it first. I'd love to be connected, love to be acquainted. And just from me to you, I really, really appreciate it. That you listen to this program, that you tell people about it. If you feel up to giving us a nice five-star review over there on Apple Podcasts, that would just be so, so appreciated. Thank you very much for all of this and for all that you do to make this a kinder, healthier, and saner world. My next guest is someone who is working so hard to do that, and she had a brilliant idea. What if we just connect people to animals? Animal Connection, Rachel Borkowski's company, strives for one unifying and simple goal, to do just that. Their belief is that introducing people to animals at sanctuaries, which are, after all, founded on love and and compassion, can help to cultivate a world where animals and people live side by side. And if you happen to hear my rescue pigeon in the background, that's because he lives here. He sometimes coos. And because my guest, Rachel Borkowski, is right here in my living room, we're in the room that has the pigeon. So welcome, Rachel.
1: Hi, everyone. Hi, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me on. I love this podcast and the work you do.
0: Thank you so much. And that obviously goes back to you. So what
1: you have is...
0: A company that does several things, but one of the big things is that you put people in nice big air conditioned buses with TV screens in the backs of the seats and you take them to animal sanctuaries. Where on earth did that idea come from?
1: So I guess I'll just start from the beginning. Um, I was in real estate in my career in New York and I worked, you know, in a very corporate environment. And then from there, I um, actually just got a leaflet randomly from Mercy for Animals about what happens to pigs at the slaughterhouses. So I was completely thrown off. I had no idea about any of that. And then I watched Gary Roski's Best Beach You'll Ever Hear. And then I was like, all right, I'm a vegan activist. (laughs) So I really wanted to get out of the city and change my life. So I went to... Israel, where Gary's speech and the vegan movement was really booming at the time a few years ago. And in Israel, I wanted to have an opportunity to just again, like do something different, work, out, work on the land and be around the animals. Unfortunately, the only opportunity I could find on all these platforms were uh, opportunities for, to live at places where animals were being harmed. I worked on a goat dairy farm in Israel. Um, near Netanya, which is like a, it's a very obviously like small town. Uh, And yeah, I guess even at the time being a vegan, I didn't realize the severity of what happens to the, to the dairy animals. And this case it was the goats. And I soon felt very uncomfortable, but I I just remembered that there's all these amazing animal sanctuaries that People and animals can just be safe and they don't have to worry about anyone being harmed. So that's actually how I started my website. So that was like the first step. And it's a website, which is basically, I call it like the Happy Cow for Animal Sanctuaries. So you can find opportunities to live at a sanctuary, exchange for food and shelter, volunteer locally, touring and pay opportunities. And I'm looking to eventually develop an app for that. And then from that, I decided I wanted to travel the U.S. with some filmmakers to film animal sanctuaries, give them more exposure on top of the website. So I somehow just came up with the idea to just bust people to the sanctuary, like, as a fundraiser. I'm like, where's a better pla- the better place to do a fundraiser? And it sold out. And since then, we've done, we've bought over 500 people to meet rescue farm animals in the New York and Philadelphia area, uh, where we have actually a separate coordinator other than myself. So that's pretty much what happened. Well,
0: I'm so excited because I'm going to get to go on one of these trips. And I know we kind of talked about, would it be better to do this show after I've been on the trip so I could talk about that? Or would it be better to do it before the trip, which is coming up on August 17th. And that is out of New York City to visit... Skylands Mm -hmm. Sanctuary which is not very far into uh, New Jersey so we're saying but maybe we want to tell people about that so they get in on that one but that's certainly not the only one you
1: have them going pretty much year-round. Yeah so it's actually a really exciting time because I connected with the chair of the NYC United Federation um, of the Humane Educator Committee and her name is Gail uh, Ferdowski and this committee was formed in 1989, and they essentially give conferences and workshops for teachers um, at all levels to for animal rights philosophies and everything like that. So we're really hoping to break into the um, schools and children to really, you know, build that future that we all want. Oh, that's so wonderful because I've talked on this show
0: before that when my daughter was little, it was before there were farm sanctuaries. And so we went to petting zoos, and I feel so torn about that because I certainly don't want to support something that is going to – these animals, I'm pretty sure, ended up slaughtered for, for me yeah. at, at some point. And yet, on the other hand, the fact that as a little, bitty, tiny girl, she was able to hang out with goats and pigs and others, I just know that it's really helped in in steering her life and keeping her vegan in adulthood and, and all of that. So the fact that you're going to get kids out there in great big busloads, yeah. that is so cool. So why do you, you think that it is important for people to get to these sanctuaries and actually see these creatures?
1: Yeah. So it's definitely like twofold. So obviously a lot of people come my trips are vegans and I think it's important for the vegans to just connect to the animals and a lot of people just tell me they come out of the trips, like, feeling inspired. I know people that I've never met before, and then I see them all over the, all over the activist community. So that's really inspiring. And just for activists, just take a, take a break. Because, you know, I was protesting in the streets for years, and I still do occasionally. Um, but just kind of this different approach... I think now we have the SAVE movement and we have Anonymous Voice for the Voiceless, which are incredible movements, but they're sad um, to see, of course, inspiring and all of that, but just really showing, and really just showing who the animals are. Because the animals, I feel, you know, I was also listening to a speech recently from um, our hen house, the founder, and she was really saying that we're, we're just allies of the animals. Most movements go faster because they have the actual people in the movements, like moving that movement forward. And as allies, we have to work harder because we're not actually the animals. But I feel when people just see the animals, they just, that's it. I don't need to do anything. All I do is bring people to the animals and, you know, the animals do the rest. Because, the you know, if you think about your household dog, then you know how much you love them. And I think really just making that connection, that animal connection, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking to change the world here because we need a change. So it's just very important for people to get out of the city, be with animals and decide for themselves. Since we our whole lives we were just saying, this is how you eat and this is the way it's supposed to be. So people deserve that choice at the very least and they deserve to, to see what's going on in a way that is they can touch it mm.
0: so do you have a story of somebody a, a mm-hmm. omnivore
1: who went on one of your trips yeah so I've definitely you know I've had mixed responses like I'm thinking right now of my two friends that came they were omnivores now one is pescatarian the other said she was going to go vegan and there was also this one girl that said she was like obsessed with McDonald's and wanted to like now go vegan. She was like holding the chicken and everything. And even um, a vegetarian, because I also played documentary on the bus, was like, now nah, I'm a vegan. So I do, I am, and I do want to do more of like an exact measurement. I'm going to send out surveys soon to see um, where people's dietary preferences were and where they are. But I know that, like, I've definitely changed a significant amount of lives. And really just even if I just changed one vegetarian to vegan, then that's huge. Like, that saves so many animals and all those changes spiral. So it's exciting to be doing this work. And obviously, especially when I hear that, I'm like, oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: a wonderful thing to know that you've done something that's going to ripple out and, and make a real difference so animalconnection.info mm-hmm. is where you can find out more about these wonderful trips and also about the work that you might be able to do at a sanctuary if that's something of interest so when you look at the animal rights movement and how long have you been vegan and into this? i've been vegan for four years four years okay yeah. and you're young so you're mm-hmm. kind of a little bit new and definitely young how do you see this movement? Does it look like something that is just like if, if you were to compare it to maybe what you learned about the civil rights movement in history class, where are we? I mean, are, are we almost there? Or are we just beginning? What does it look like to you? Well, that's a hard
1: question. I think it's and I think it actually it goes back to my point where it's just like I mean, it's so it's so encompassing in the culture. But then, of course. You know, like you and Richard were just talking, when you see things like beyond meat and impossible foods. And I mean, to me, it's just going to come to a point where there's no other choice. So it's just like, you know, we're headed in that direction no matter what. And obviously, as vegans and activists, we want to push this ahead as quickly as possible. But even actually like relating to that movement, I thought of what I'm doing similar to, I don't know if you saw that movie remember, The Titans. It's basically like um, like a bunch of black boys and white boys went on a bus. Like that was, you know, during the time where there's a lot of hate, they went on the bus to a football camp together and they all didn't like each other and they came back as best friends. So that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm just like, a lot of people, they don't understand animals and they're like, oh yeah, that's like that's gross or whatever it may be. But it's like, after you leave, you like, you're best friends with the animals, so that's what I'm hoping. The whole we can all
0: be best friends, <laughs> and that's beautiful. And it also shows your incredible positive nature. Okay. Now, you may not know this about Unity, the yeah. uh, hosting network for this program, but Unity—it's it, almost a religion based on positive thinking. I yeah. mean, it's really about take the high road, think the high thought. So I'm just gonna put on my unity hat for a minute and say, how did you get to be so positive? Have you always
1: been this way? I guess I have. I mean, I think with like a lot of people in the vegan movement, like, you know, we we were people that, I mean, at least me, actually I can't talk for everyone, but I was someone who was younger, I was made fun of for a long time and I, being bullied. And I think I have to think this way for the animals because I don't want them to be bullied. Like the way i was and it's um i definitely had amazing parents you know they were always just very like, supportive and wonderful and yeah i mean at the end of the day i just feel like especially for me like after i was bullied it ends up like making a lot of friends and i was like, the prom queen just like silly to even mention but i just in the way that like i turned my life around and like all these positive things were happening we just, we gotta believe that way or else we're, you know, what's gonna what's gonna be left. Like, this is, you have we have to be the changes that we wanna see. So we have to stay positive and and just, that's really what makes the world a better place in, in your every day. If you're not, you know, running to a slaughterhouse and like rescuing an animal or just smiling at someone on the subway. And that's really what, that's what makes the world a good place, I think. So that's, you know, I'm not always like the best positive person, but I just, I try my best. And if we're all trying our best, then we could, try to make the best world possible and that's it everyone has different stories different journeys different emotions and you know that's what I try to do I don't know Oh, well, you do you really <laughs> honestly you do a beautiful beautiful job thank of it. you uh, we're speaking
0: with Rachel Borkowski of Victoria. animalconnection.info Hi. if you are in the New York or Philadelphia area you can take a bus trip Coming right up. Yeah, um, and elsewhere, you do want people to contact you if they're interested in franchising, basically animal connection and uh,
1: yes. being
0: part of, of yes. Rachel's uh, amazing work. I started to call it amazing ministry. Her <laughs> wonderful work, <laughs> work community. for the animals. So, you yeah, so we of...
1: have Dina also. I just want to mention, like, so we I we did actually start doing the trips in Philly with um, Dina, who is a mainstream Vegan Academy graduate, and so. Sort of graduated from this amazing academy that Victoria runs I'm really super grateful for that and I'm working with her she's doing trips in Philly and you kind of could be like your own local entrepreneur because you know you charge a certain amount for tickets you make all these connections you help the animals and we may even have someone in Montreal doing it soon so if you're interested in your city to set up a trip to a sanctuary just get in contact with me and I'll give you the blueprint and we can definitely get it out there as well as of course if you're looking for the opportunities um you know in your local area you know a sanctuary that's not on my website animalconnection.info yes and you could email me at rachel@animalconnection.info at as well um so yeah that's that's pretty much you know the trajectory going for the kids and really whoever wants to go is just see the animals and really get the marketing out there. Because like I was saying before, how I feel even when I first went vegan, I didn't even know that there were sanctuaries in the world. And then when I found out, that's when I was like, wow, I have to get involved. And as well as, you know, the zoo industry is a billion dollar industry. So we need to just get those dollars to the sanctuaries, get the communities to the sanctuaries, and just make the world a safe place for everyone. That makes so much sense.
0: If, if people who are not involved in veganism or animal rights could just start looking at sanctuary visits the way they would look at a visit to the zoo, and maybe they'll become vegan and maybe they won't, but they'll at least have their eyes opened exactly. and children will get to see what animals who unfortunately live on farms, if they're yeah. not in sanctuaries, look like. And they'll carry that memory. You know, with so many people really. say, well, I didn't go vegan until I was like 30, but I remember something that happened when I'm seven, something that happened when I was 10. Yeah. So it's all really important stuff. So we were talking a little bit ago about how you are so positive. A lot of people in the animal movement are so sad because we know stuff that, we really shouldn't have to know because yeah. it shouldn't be happening.
1: So what do you say to them? I just say take care of yourself first and foremost. I mean, I've been through those times as well where, you know, the sadness takes over. And I think really just doing positive work and, you know, whether it be food, whether it be like going to a sanctuary or giving yourself like giving yourself your own like back massage, just really taking care of yourself and Knowing that, and I know, I feel like this is said all the time, but it just can't be emphasized enough. It's like not isolating yourself, being with family and friends, meeting people where they are. Because for me, I kind of used to, like, I went down that path where I was very, like, trying to control everything. And it's like, you just can't control everything. You can't control what's happening. You want, of course, not animals to not suffer. That's our working towards, but we can't control it. And I just feel like once I just was like, all right, you know what? You're going to have your beliefs. I'm going to have my beliefs and I can't control it, but I can do the best I can. And I can let you know what's going on and encourage you as best as I can. I think that really helped me and just doing things I love. And, you know, it's funny because I feel like I've, I really, I recently had a bout where I was like very stressed. I was actually in the hospital and it taught me a lot because I, you know, just that I need to take care of myself and don't, you know, don't be like me and wait till it's too late for you to just enjoy your life, enjoy your life. Even the animals are not enjoying their lives, but we're working to change that. We can only do the best that we can. And we have to enjoy ourselves in the process or else you're going to burn out. And we need you, we need you in this movement, whoever you are, if you're in the movement, like the animals need you so badly. That they need you to take care of themselves and being sad isn't gonna help the animals at the end of the day. So, yeah. and stop watching. I mean, for me personally, too, I like, I had to stop watching all those slaughterhouse videos and I had to get out there because people actually do get PTSD from those videos. And I feel like I had that. And, you know, there's the point when I was like, I have to walk away from those videos. I mean, if you could still handle them, more power to you. But I've had to unfollow some people and, whatever it may be to make sure that I'm in a good headspace. So
0: the trips, I understand, which I will know for myself in a couple of weeks. But these these guided tours that that you take people to the sanctuaries are very happy and positive. And you sometimes use the word to describe them as a retreat. So just walk us through what is going to happen on August 17th or later for people who take an Animal
1: Connection trip. Yeah. So August 17th, we'll be going to Skylands Animal Sanctuary, and the bus um, usually picks picks us up somewhere in Manhattan, usually in Midtown. Um, this time, we actually will be most likely to be picked up downtown because Spicy Moon Szechuan is doing the catering, which is exciting, uh, delicious vegan restaurant in East Village. And I actually usually play a documentary, like a light documentary, you know, a conspiracy of what the hell something with not too much and obviously I'm always like you know if it's whatever the cruelty is you can turn away but just it's just really fun you know like getting on a bus with people and just knowing for the day that you're not gonna have to worry about anything Everything's gonna be vegan you have your transportation you have your friends everyone's introducing themselves on in the bus and then we get to the sanctuary of course we have the tour and then we usually try to do something like yoga or meditation or just some sort of healing event. And just really, for me, like being out in nature, just fully surrounded by trees and animals and good people like people, no matter where they are in their journey, they support animal connection and they support animals and, you know, they want to take that next step or they, or they just want to be involved in really bringing that community together in a positive way is really what we, we need to just be together and have good memories as well as like the crazy memories when we're, you know, at Canada Goose protesting. So, um, and then we go back and it's just, usually everyone's passed out on the way back. So it was a fun day in the, in the sun and hanging out with the animals. And it's just, it's just nice and relaxing. I find, and everyone's, you know some sanctuaries like the chickens like jump on your shoulders and there's always like different like fun things to do and amazing people to meet so I'm very excited and it's a good recommendation even
0: if you're not near where animal connection does their trips just find a sanctuary mm-hmm. and you have those on your website as yeah, well if you, exactly. you can just look up your state or province and see if there is an animal sanctuary nearby so that you can go there especially if you have children in your life because you right. um, need them yeah, and they'll really help, they'll know the animals already. It's right. like, you know, we give kids all these yeah. stuffed animals because right. they get it about animals.
1: So true. Yeah. I always see kids with stuffed animals, and that always for me is just a reminder that I'm like, this is really what I have to do. Like kids and animals are like, and that's what I, you know, just I am doing it. So <laughs> I'm happy that I am.
0: So why do you
1: think that
0: it was animals that really Mm -hmm. grabbed you you said you went vegan and you became an activist that day but you'd heard about different kinds of human rights things in your life and nothing caused you to give up your corporate career and change your life
1: yeah i just feel like being being doing animal rights has so many so much trickling effects as well as just the scope of course of what's happening to the animals like like you and we can decide on the trajectory of the earth based on what we eat and I never felt that power you know to have an effect on someone's life in Nigeria or wherever people may be suffering I mean of course I try to buy products that are most ethically aligned with helping the entire world but it's really helping the environment helping the animals and helping human health I was like Hello, this is, and humans, of course, like workers in factory farms that are exploited and everything like that. Um, I'm sure that most of your listeners are pretty well-versed on all these things. But yeah, that's, you know, as people may or may not know, it's definitely an all-encompassing sort of movement that just helps everyone and everything. And if we we feed, we feed 50% of our crops, to the animals. So it's like, imagine what we can do with all those crops. It's just possibilities are endless, being a vegan, helping animals. And I mean, also, you know, they're the most vulnerable. They're just like the little babies, little infants. What we do to the infants, it's unspeakable. And to the to the scale, you know, I'm like I'm sure somewhere in the world some infants is getting abused and that's horrible. But it's like I know this is going on. I know the scale it's going on. I know it's going on every single community. So being in those communities, being like, hey, if you just do this, we can help animals out. That's pretty much
0: it. Oh, that's beautiful. Rachel Borkowski. Oh, my gosh. I wish you could be cloned because you're going to make such, such (laughs) a difference to your your
1: generation.
0: So in our last minute here, I just want to give you a little bit of a preview and let you know some of the people who are going to be coming up on the Main Street Vegan program. So on um, August 21st, we have two doctors who are amazing women. Aisha Akhtar, author of our Symphony with Animals. She actually believes that being around animals can help your health. And uh, Saree Stancic, MD, who cured herself of um, MS and put that in the film Code Blue, And looking ahead to September 4th, we're gonna have Seth Goldman from Beyond Meat. Everybody talks about Beyond Meat. Uh, He's the CFO and we're gonna find out about what's going on with everybody's favorite burgers and sausages. And we will also have on that same show, Miyoko Shinner of Miyoko's Kitchen, Fabulous Cheeses. And on September 18th, the physician who started it all, the man who showed that coronary heart disease can be not just prevented but reversed Dr. D. Lynch. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world